Hello everybody, this is the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. That would mean I must be Vern Value. It could mean that. Uh, oh yes, it is you. Uh, we're 25-year veterans of uh, well-known Wall Street firms that you've heard about, presumably, uh, but we disguise our voices and we've taken on secret identities to bring you our candid views on a handful of Value Line's weekly stock picks. Check out our website at www.thevalueguys.com for full disclosures, including uh, that uh, this is for entertainment purposes only, if only uh, entertaining ourselves. And, right, we, and we like to own all of the stocks that we talk we about. We like to own all of them, but in fact, we do own many of them. And we also may have amazingly lucrative arrangements with some of the management teams some of the companies that <laughs> no, we don't actually though. Uh, this week we're going to look at the October 13th, 2006 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. Uh, this is Val. I'm going to be on toward the back half of the show talking about Granger, Aero Electronics, Plantronics, and United Stationers. Uh, all, I think, pretty good distributors uh, with the exception of Plantronics, which has a nice uh, merging headset business in the high end of uh, where Bluetooth meets your head, I think. But anyway, uh, first off, I'm going the, to... The, the blue the, membrane Yeah, the uh, antenna, earphone ear like part. Anyway, before we get to that, I'd like to introduce my, uh, my partner in the value guys, Vern Value. I'm the other value guy. That's right. Thanks, We're each Al. a value guy. We're both a value guy. Without you, value there'd be no a, S. A and B. Thankfully, we have uh, uh, arrived at uh, names that we can individually use so that we don't just have to be like value the guy secret one guy and value one. guy two right. or something like that. Uh, interesting week, I think, in value line this week. Um, very electrical, wouldn't you say? Well, it's a lot of industrial stuff. That, all, this, uh, all, all of these companies you know, are involved some way in something. I mean, they need electricity for their stuff to work. The growth rates in here are Office few and far between. Uh, there's a few, but you know, you it's a lot of commodities. Of well, there's a lot, a lot of commodities. commodities. Yeah, there yeah. are. But there's uh, there's also a lot of technology here, and I see a lot of stars. It's like a little constellation. Value Line likes a they lot like of a the lot stocks of this week. Um, uh, so, of course, as uh, as value-oriented guys, hence the name, um, I'm, I'm at least as one of them. I'm struggling a little bit to find uh, a lot of real good value. Well, I have to Some say, this, Vern, this yeah. week I did something I've never done in the history of the value guys, and that is uh, not sleep through your part. No, I'm just kidding about that. Actually, uh, that's supposed to be funny. I don't see you laughing at all. <laughs> Anyway, no, what I did was I punched all the tickers from Value Line because I shared that same problem you just talked about. Hard to find something. I punched all the tickers from Value Line into a Yahoo Finance, and this is free, ladies and gentlemen, pretty amazing, Yahoo Finance portfolio, and I printed out, as you're looking at with me, mm -hmm. a little spreadsheet here showing some of the uh, you know, very simple valuation metrics that you might look at including uh, forward P.E., price to sales, price to book, market cap to EBITDA. That's simply because they don't have an enterprise value uh, choice in Yahoo. But, uh, you know, I laid it out, and I, you, I, I found four names I like, but it was, it was not easy this Difficult. week. Difficult. Well, and, you know, I think that Value Line's model, as we've talked before, rewards price momentum. So uh, yeah. if they like a lot of things in the issue, then there's a good chance that uh, the sector's been doing well. The market's been doing better so uh but nevertheless as yes. a uh, intrepid value explorer 
I have been able to come up with three stocks. To Outstanding. Talk about. Um, and two of them, uh, the first two I want to talk about are two stocks that are off of uh, recent, using the word loosely, highs um, that are uh, that are better than average growth stories in the industrial arena. Um, that I think uh, you, know, you may have an opportunity here. The first one's Rockwell Automation. Value Lines page says Rockwell Auto. Don't don't take that to be automotive. Um, symbol ROK, 10 billion market cap um, at $58 or roughly thereabouts, just a little under a 17 multiple. So a brief, or I'm sorry, brief small discount to the market. And because the stock's down more than 25 cent uh, uh, percent from a high near 80, so 58 today, off from near 80, the yield's been pushed up to 1.6%. Who's Rockwell Automation, world leader in electronic controls? I'll tell you who they are. They're a uh, backbone provider for modern industry. If if you have a successful and competitive competitive manufacturing model today, it features a lot of automation, uh, a lot fewer people, and uh, you need control systems to... uh, to uh, manage each individual task, each individual machine, mm-hmm. and also communication and coordination mm-hmm. among all yeah. of them, and then feeding all of that into your um, into your uh, IT backbone. Your those business. things could not be more important. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Value Line apparently sees the opportunity the same way. They're forecasting uh, um, sales growth at eight and a half percent, cash flow twelve and a half percent, earnings seventeen percent over the next. Uh, what is that for out to oh nine yeah, to eleven? They're a what little is that? vague on the exact three to five time years. You frame, never know exactly yeah. what they're talking about, but clearly better than average. The future, grower. yeah, out there somewhere. Um, and interesting because this is company's been remade. And if uh, if you think you know who Rockwell is, but you haven't looked at it recently, then you you should know this is not your daddy's Rockwell anymore. I never Rockwell knew International. It, is this in Rockwell LA? Collins. Is this a Rockwell out of all the old Rockwell This is this company is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, huh. of all places. Was it part of the old Rockwell? Yes, this is the this is the remaining pieces. Um, Value that Line business points was in out Los Angeles. Well, they 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 spun out um, their automotive business in '97. They spun out a semiconductor business in '98. And the Rockwell Collins avionics business in 2001. So it had been a diversified platform with a lot of fairly cyclical, risky businesses in it. um, And has uh, done very well since the last transaction as they got it narrowed down. Value Line even points out that uh, their control systems business, which is what I was talking about, is only about 80% of the business. But then as you see in the text of their uh, little write-up here, uh, they're in uh, Rockwell's in the process of selling off a uh, motor and mechanical uh, transmission device, if you will, business that goes with it uh, that has broad application in mining, for example. So the timing's good because that market's doing well. Uh, expected to generate about a billion in revenue. So I've got a, according to this, Rockwell does about five and a half billion in revenue. Here's a billion going away. That pretty much is that. Piece that we're looking for, and um, uh, so it's going to be about a hundred percent this business going forward. Um, sales per a uh, sales growth that in this little forecast period here, value line showing around ten percent. Um, they've got the they've got share repurchase modeled in as a use of cash. Um, not not real cheap in terms of the average industrial company. 
I'm looking at about 12 times cash flow, 14 times free cash flow. Um, but hopefully they can sell this motors business for more than uh, eight and a half times. And uh, um, that's eight and a half times uh, EBITDA, which is about where the, the company is valued today after the equity came down more than 25%. So not real cheap, but a high quality name you might want to look at. Um, looks like the stock's been trying to stabilize uh, uh, recently, Rockwell Automation. Uh, next one that I wanted to look at is uh, something, uh, more abbreviations on value lines right up here. Harmon International Industries. Uh, symbol HAR. I think also, I've looked at this in Also a large cap, uh, 5.6 billion market cap. Uh, the stock recently around 85, 20 PE, premium to the market, no real yield. But historically, or at least for the last five years or so, has uh, been able to hold or um, trade at uh, average PEs in excess of uh, the 20 that it's getting right now. 13% um, debt to cap, but cash on the balance sheet. sheet exceeds debt, so basically debt-free. Um, I'm working up an EBITDA number of about $650 million. Enterprise value, the $5.6 billion market cap, so I got about nine times. Doesn't sound real cheap, but look at value lines talking 13% compound sales growth, 20% earnings growth in their three to five year window. Some big positive comps coming up in their model in uh, the December quarter of this year and then the first two quarters of calendar 2007. Uh, return on capital way up. What's the story here? Harmon is a. Um, I mean, a lot of people may know them from, you know, from our era as a manufacturer of uh, um, speakers, stereo speakers. But uh, the company's gotten a lot bigger, uh, particularly Harmon because... Harmon was the old name. And then yeah. they bought, I think, a few other speakers. Well, and uh, they uh, they own JBL, JBL and Infinity right. as well. I talked about this in the past Did on you? this show. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I realized yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, last uh, last year. Okay. Um Automotive. You haven't missed anything, by the way. But, no, right. Well, the stock is, I mean, that's part of the but The brands are strong, and they're struggling to find a way back. This basically. $85 stock price, although the, the, the valuation metric that you know, I've talked about so far, you know, enterprise value to EBITDA around 9, PE of 20 don't sound all that cheap. This stock traded uh, north of 115 earlier this year, north of 130 each of the last two years. So, um, you know, it's off significantly from its highs. Automotive is now 70% of sales. Harman is a leader in uh, a field called telematics, which is basically bringing um, multimedia, if that's the right, um, if that's the right term, uh, capabilities and putting them uh, uh, on the dashboard of your car, basically. And this goes, uh, I mean, this is everything from uh, enhanced uh, um, simple sound systems, stereo systems, to uh, uh, linking in with uh, ultimately GPS and uh, um, uh, presumably Internet at some point, etc. Right? Now, what else... You know more yeah, no, I, I think there's going to be a big recently. battle to, uh, you know, get content in vehicles as you move toward basically an, an Internet connection, and that gives you access to, you know, live traffic, live weather, uh, you know, that kinds of things. And it, it, it just the time-saving, the thing that's going to be the big killer app there, I think, is time-saving uh, from traffic, um, you know, mishaps. And once you get that, uh, these things are going to take off. I don't know how far off that is or whether these guys are involved in that. Um, 
Well, and uh, according to Value Line, they have won several major contracts that promise accelerated uh, top line gains in fiscal 2008, according to Value Line. So um, there's some mention here of some product design to go with the iPod. I mean, the future really is here. I, anymore, as you drive down the road, you see a lot of. Uh, Small uh, DVD players and monitors uh, mounted in SUVs and the like. Um, it's not uncommon now to be able to have an iPod connection in you, you know in your car that connects directly into the stereo system. You know they've got satellite radio that is not just a plug-in. Well, the question anymore, for me on something like this factory is: equipped. is is their brand going to be the one that wins? So I'm going to talk about Plantronics in a little while. They have a nice headset. Uh, so yeah, there's a battle. Traditionally, the guys all battling. You know, they all try to build so that the total industry is trying to achieve 200% of the demand, you know, and then their margins get driven down. But these guys have managed to keep a pretty good uh, return on capital over a long period. Well, my memory is, and, and I guess I'd encourage our listeners to, to check this out, but my memory is that uh, in terms of uh, controlling content in, uh, in light vehicles, in cars, that Harman's on a relatively short list that appear to have the uh, uh, capability to actually integrate all of this and bring it all together and uh, do it. Do you need that to happen for the stock to work, or are they? I mean, they, they sell stuff into the consumer channel as well. Well, they they do, but automotive is seventy percent mm. sale. Consumer fourteen percent. Professional sixteen percent. There's some favorable comments here about those markets, but no, the automotive piece has to work. I, and my idea here is that the thing is sold off significantly. Um, opportunity to. Uh, get on board with something that has significant near-term growth prospects, apparently, at, for it, a reasonable valuation. Um, neither one of those, though, uh, excite me as sort of a true value guy quite as much as Xerox, a name that uh, we've talked about in the past, symbol XRX, $14 billion market cap. Um, a few years ago, really uh, considered to have uh, lost its way and maybe being in danger of... Uh, um, I don't know, kind of doing the... Well, of having slow. everyone in the nation roll the Xerox machines out into the street and replace them with someone else's machine, which was always the edge IBM had. You know, two big metal machines sitting in your office. Why did IBM get a multiple? You couldn't roll it out in the street. Xerox, uh, and then they had some problems, I think, with their financing arm. They got into some serious uh, regulatory, legal, quasi-issues, and I think had to spin that out. Uh, so they were... Yeah, I mean, if you look at the chart, these guys were uh, almost single digit extinct. stock price, two thousand to two thousand. I think the balance sheet really had a big effect. They had a, a big play in that. They had a they had a nasty debt position. Two thousand. Um, where's the long term debt number here? Fifteen billion. Now down under six. Okay, or I'm sorry, uh, total debt around seven. Long term debt uh, six or below now. Um, so I, maybe we don't need to talk about you know what they do. They make copiers, laser printers, basically document publishing equipment. Equipment sales only thirty percent of revenue. Okay, supplies and document management outsourcing two thirds of revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, some commentary here, and I think uh, people may be generally familiar with this. If they if they don't interact with the products themselves, maybe they just pick this up in uh, the business press because you know the Xerox story has been a pretty good one. A lot of new product, a lot of uh, um, uh, a lot of improvement in uh, relative competitive position. Big payoff from having stepped up significantly on product development spending. Arguably, uh, some of the best of that occurring right now, okay, 
Uh, but with the stock under 16, about a 20% discount to the market on PE, um, and below highs in the last couple of years, it's uh, about 10 times free cash flow. And um, I come up with uh, EBITDA of about $2.8 billion, <coughs> and with, uh, um, uh, with an enterprise value in the 18.2 range, I'm looking at, uh, well, actually, that's a, little, that's a little shy. I'm sorry. It's more like 20.2 range. That puts me, uh, you know, in an eight, eight-ish kind of range on EV to EBITDA. Um, and uh, since 70% of the business is basically the tail to the equipment business, the fact that they've had a lot of new products launched recently uh, promises or at least uh, creates the environment for an acceleration in uh, the two-thirds of the business that would then benefit from that uh, install larger installed base. I'll tell you something that and I've learned recently uh, is about that, them. Uh, well, about this marketplace. If you're trying to outfit a small office with computers, uh, you know, you spend five or six hundred or a thousand dollars per computer. Uh, you know, you can get a printer from Dell or HP that does a lot of work for six hundred bucks or five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks. Uh, but, you know, you still need a copier. And when you go out to get a copier, you're like, well, where's the $600 copier machine? And it's like, uh, well, that's your quarterly payment. I mean, these things, they aren't cheap. They've never come down in price the way the PC has. And I think it's due to the document handling. We have a machine in our office that can, as you, everyone does, copy, scan, fax, email. It's all on the Xerox uh, keypad, and they've become... You know, they've managed to become kind of a center of the movement of documents and the distribution of documents, and all that's controllable through a connection from your desk now, and it acts as a, as a basically a network printer that has a lot of capabilities. And they, these things are you know ten thousand dollars; they're not a thousand dollars. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, and I the other thing I like about the uh, the the uh, picture here as a stock is with the uh, stock price under sixteen. I can. Uh, I think I've got. Um, well, it makes the math a little bit easier. Let me explain to you what I'm looking at. If the if the business model and uh, financial performance and consequently cash flow stabilized here, um, and certainly with um, seventy percent of their equipment sales coming from products introduced since mid '04, according to Value Line, um, and what I'm saying true about the tail end of the business, then having some visibility on. Um, you know, stronger operating results over the next few years as you live off of this improvement in uh, in the equipment business, uh, you have the opportunity to really gain from deleveraging the balance sheet here. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's transparent to some of our uh, listeners, but maybe not all of them. To um, simple fact that the market tends to look at companies like this in terms of the uh, um, total claims on value, so including debt, including the balance sheet. That's why we like to look at enterprise value, uh, as the market does. And if I've got a company that's you know half debt and half equity, if I can engineer a 25% reduction in my um, in my outstanding debt uh, without any improvement in the in how the uh, market values the company, that translates into a 20% improvement in the value of the equity. Um, and in this well, assuming you case, don't have better uses of that capital, than simply yeah. playing down debt. Yeah. So this kind of creates or helps create a uh, a foundation on which to build uh, total return. 
and I'm looking at um, combination of, uh, well, let's take the EBITDA number at 2.8 billion. Uh, if I could simply convert um, after taxes, uh, capital spending needs here look like they run around a couple hundred million. Uh, if I could just reclaim a billion of that or capture a billion of that for debt reduction um, with outstanding debt of uh, $7 billion, $6 billion on a net basis, a uh, billion dollars worth of deleveraging buys a significant amount of this shift in value, if you will. Now, Value Line's got some of that in their model. They're also using some of the cash to buy back stock. And um, I, I'm just trying to make the point that uh, uh, with the PE already under 15, um, I like the combination of the valuation here, the improved operating results. Value Line's talking about 15% or 14.5% earnings growth over the next three to five years. Uh, and I got a balance sheet that I can delever, which in and of itself can uh, can help uh, contribute to total return. Like well, Xerox the point to the make best. on that though is, I mean, if you're deleveraging a balance sheet and they're paying eight percent for debt, that's investing money at eight percent, and it speaks to you know a safety net to the valuation that maybe would argue for a discount because the growth rate will be impaired, <clears throat> but on the other hand, a premium due to the safety of that return. There's no risk to that return, so it really. Uh, is a little bit better return than a bond, and this thing trades. You know, I noticed that the bond trades at uh, 20 times uh, earnings. Uh, just as an aside, the 10 year. Yeah. Okay. Well, in any event, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just trying to, <laughs> just trying to get a word in. <laughs> or nine. All right. In any go. event, so um, like Xerox, the best of the three, Harmon Rockwell, and with that, I'm going to turn it over to. Uh, to, to Val. Okay, we have three minutes left, everybody. No, I just uh, I have an appointment, frankly. Uh, let's see here. Granger, page 1012, like it. Okay, GWW. Um, why is that? Well, we've talked about Granger before. Granger, I think, has a call on worldwide industrial production and is gaining share simply because they continue to add value in the logistics side of the business. Not only are they you know, making sure they have the right part or gadget that you need in your business, but now they're increasingly making sure that it's not too far from your business. So the combination of in-stock and uh, close to your company allows them to continue to gain share. They've gotten on a little bit of a roll the last few years, figuring out that if they put branches closer to their customer and their smaller customers, that they're going to get increased use just due to the economics I just talked about. They could pass on the savings of really part of their cost structure, of course, transportation, uh, by having smaller average trips. They went through a big effort in uh, so Y2K. So like Walmart. Well, Walmart, uh, no. Walmart, you know, they put one big warehouse in Arkansas, and their model was put stores one day's drive from the warehouse. They had one warehouse, but consumers, you know, each store is a warehouse. So, uh, right. Uh, in this case, they're trying to get them, uh, you get know, out to the industrial. Where the consumer is, just like Granger's trying to get. Yeah, well, they're doing something a little. They're 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 actually having a multiple tiered program where uh, they try to tailor the you know precise offering of each branch to the industrial park they're near. Uh, Walmart's actually just starting to do some of that, where they're willing to tailor the uh, inventory to their local market. Granger's been doing that for some time. And they just continue to do it. Their returns on capital 
you go back 20 years, low teens, and really they're about to show a record return on capital. Companies, uh, you know, $6 billion in sales, so that's pretty impressive. They have no debt, so their return on equity is uh, identical to their return on capital. And uh, I think they just don't like debt, so you got to admire that. That means flexibility for an acquisition, what have you, down the road. It also means they're apt to be, uh, you know, a more interesting target. Uh, the company peaked this year at about $80 a share, uh, in part because of rumors that uh, Home Depot might be interested in Granger as they try to figure out avenues of growth and redefine themselves as kind of a, uh, you know, building products type of distributor. Uh, they bought, I think, a small building products industrial distributor in uh, in the South about a year ago, and there were rumors about that Granger might be some well, type of target. Well, to reach more professional, institutional kind of customers, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, so, you know, that rumor, who knows, the stock came off, but uh, the results at Granger just keep getting uh, better and better. They tend to use their... Now, I'll also say this is more expensive than I like to pay generally. It is at a 16 PE, 10% discount to the S&P. Uh, the closing price Friday actually is higher than what Value Line's showing here. Uh, they closed at 70 on Friday. Uh, Value line showing a 67.88 price, which I can only assume is from maybe Wednesday or something like that. Uh, they uh, they're buying stock back. They had a peak share count of 93 million in 01. They're now forecast to be at 87 million at the end of this year, uh, and uh, you know I think that'll just continue. Uh, the company is, uh, you know, moving internationally. They are on the ground in China a little bit to try to help them. It's it's more than just stores and trucks and bins. They have some proprietary software technology that helps to optimize uh, logistics expenses. And uh, next couple comparisons, I think, are going to be pretty decent. We've got a buck five versus ninety-seven for the September quarter. Uh, the year will be four hundred five versus three sixty-eight according to the value line. Growth rate here, earnings 12.5% going out into that mystical uh, three to five value year future, time frame. Is, yeah. uh, now, Value Line says they just nicked their estimate by a nickel, but that includes 15 cents in options expenses, um, which all companies are having to report now. So that to me sounds like a 10 cent increase in earnings, but of course, Granger's taking this strong period just to absorb. Uh, the stock option expenses as they roll through the income statement. And so really the growth rate this year is even stronger than they're showing. Uh, discount PE, better than average business. I like that one, W, uh, W, Granger, ticker G, W, W, uh, not W, W, G, which I, I wonder why that is. That. I, you know. Anyway, maybe a printer error years ago. Who knows? All right. Um, let's see. Page 1024. It's Sunday morning, by the way, everyone. I hope you appreciate that the value guys are getting up on a Sunday and coming out here to bring you this exciting stock market news, don't you think? I don't think they really care what we have to go through to bring it as long don't as they? we just bring it. Well, that's not what their emails suggest, my friend. Some of these people, are they, they care about us. They, they do? Care. Yeah, like three, three people. <laughs> One of whom is my wife. So, uh, anyway, Aero Electronics, ARW, uh, is the ticker. Value line rates this a three. It's nine times earnings, half of the S&P 500 multiple. So I'm interested. What does Aero do? Aero is a global distributor. I give up. What do they do? Well, let me tell you. Let me read what Value Line says about it. I've been tracking the stock for about 20 years. 
and you never know exactly when to buy it. Right now it's down because of the tea leaves about what's about to happen, which no one's ever right about. But let me read what they do. Global distributor of electronic components and computer products to industrial and commercial customers. They have 226 locations, 15 distribution centers in 53 countries, and they probably have about 10,000 customers. Uh, they grew over the years by acquiring other distributors that had exclusive and semi-exclusive rights to distribute various, uh, mostly, I think, Japanese manufacturers, so semiconductors. And over the years, they acquired other lines that would go with that to where these are really just stores with lots of distributors, uh, lots of relationships as distributors for various products, and they sell them to people. Uh, you know, earnings are often driven by what new relationship did they get this year, or what old relationship did they not lose this year and that type of thing and I suspect that with the stock down in here a little bit that you know something didn't go well for them this year whether they were you know uh, having a lot of content on the Sony PlayStation 3 or some product they're involved in is late to ship or what have you but uh, sometimes you don't get these opportunities every day now this company has been on a negative you know relative performance slope for about seven years and uh well, that's kind of harsh isn't well, it? it looks sort of sideways for the yeah, last three years it's, so. yeah that's why i think it might be making you know again not a technical guy but i think with the stock down absolute recently not a lot of you know outperformance over the last few years this thing is setting up to have a, a nice move if if, if money kind of rotates into this area this kind of valuation couldn't it be why isn't it a takeout target well because you know what all company, they have they have good customer they, well, lists all they the, everyone else has the same customer lists and the only thing they really have is these uh, uh OEM relationships which you don't really have to buy these guys to get you could sometimes that happens they've done that but you can also just lure those manufacturers to give you a a, a right to man, you know, to sell as well so there haven't been uh, a lot of buyouts among these bigger nine companies yeah it, well that's why i'm talking about it Vern. it's nine times earnings half the multiple they have uh 26% debt to cap which you know isn't great but if you look over time they've had a lot more debt than this they've actually been in a debt pay down mode for the last few years uh from a high of you know, two billion a few years ago. Now they're about nine hundred million. Uh, their profit margins have been moving from the sort of three four percent recently. Value lines predicting about five this year. That can just be scale. Uh, you know, of SG&A and overhead to growing sales. Um, the next couple comparisons are going to be pretty good according to Value Line. We've got a 71 versus 52 cent comparison coming up in September, 79, 62 in December. That's on sometimes moves stocks. And Value Line has an 18.5% earnings growth rate here over the next mystical 2 to 40 year period or what have you here. Let's just and say over the next three I don't years. know what they next mean. Three years. Let's see. Estimated 03 to 05, so that's sort of. Some number before in now, frame, actually, right? to some the 09. To, yeah, so some kind of six-year period. They're saying 18.5% growth. If you're going to get 18.5% growth on a nine-multiple stock, you know, you know, There's I can stop talking right now. Yeah. So that's Aero Electronics ARW. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Vern, what do you think? I'm coming up here on one I own. I've talked about here before. I've apologized for. This is a real emotional one for Val. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's Plantronics, oh, PLT. Oh. 
Plantronics, PLT, page 1040. Okay, let me give you the down and dirty on Plantronics. Uh, Plantronics was a long-time manufacturer. Down and dirty, like buried in a grave? No, just trying to be okay. quick and efficient with the people's time. They're not going to want to know all the every little detail. They can pull up the 10K <laughs> if they're interested in that. <laughs> Read the obituary uh, there. But, uh, no, well, okay. It looks I'm like sorry. Vern and I Go have ahead. a bet. This could be a historic value guys show, ladies and gentlemen. The bet's on. No, I know better than I that. say Plantronics is moving up. No, I wouldn't now, bet against you. From yeah, here, well, this was probably a pretty good idea. Plantronics is a manufacturer of lightweight telephone headsets. They sold the headset to Neil Armstrong, evidently, or his employer, NASA, that he wore on the moon, and they've been trying to recapture that glory ever since. So uh, that's one well, small step for man, going, a giant leap for mankind. That was said over a plan horizon is, but we're, well, uh, when's we're going Mars back to coming? the moon. <laughs> the Mars. They're, uh, they're definitely on the Mars shuttle. So I is know. that why the no. name of the company sounds sort of like Planet? And I mean, I hear Plantronics and I think Jetsons. Well, that's because you're an old old guy. He's got no one else. <laughs> no, is no, I'm a value guy. Okay, but uh, old guy would fit us as well. I mean, okay. okay, let me just down and dirty means we don't give a lot of extraneous nonsense. We just get to the core of what Plantronics is all about. Plantronics is a maker of professional headsets, the best, ladies and gentlemen, the best. And they did that for 20 years. They earned enormous returns on capital. If you go back to 97, they earned 36% on capital. 96, 39%. Uh, 2000. Yeah, well, 42% in 00. Even this year, where the stock's down a lot, they're going to earn 15%. Now, what's going on? In this uh, professional headset market, that's big call centers. When you call up to order, you know, Newsweek or something like that, or order a product from somebody at a catalog, they're probably from Amazon. A book from Amazon. Well, every all the call centers are using Plantronics. There's been a big uh, attack on that market by GN, the maker of these uh, uh, competitive uh, headsets, but they. Uh, uh, the, the the Jabra headsets that you've seen at Circuit City, but they have not cracked that market. The stock coming down was at a time when people thought that was happening. It's not happening. They've been rebuffed. Uh, so Plantronics professional headset market is safe. Now, it's not growing fast, but when you work through sort of at a seven times EBITDA multiple of this very stable corporate call center headset market, yeah, that, that business is worth $20 a share. Now, this thing got real hyped up into the mid-30s because of the promise of their consumer market. So for the first time, you know, they tried to get this whole space traveler thing, but there's just not enough of them. So they're trying to go after the uh, MP3 user, which they're finding is a broader market than this, the astronaut like market. Yeah, sure. And so uh, they're in a <laughs> well, battle well, right now. The, what about the little Bluetooth well, Gizmo. Are they in that? Yeah, that's oh. my next point, Vern. Oh. I mean, if you just let me get through the story here. Uh, Plantronics, they've got the stable professional market. They're moving now into the consumer market, and there's a big battle to see which brand you're going to wear on your head. And when you go to the, you know, the, the Verizon store or the Singular store, they're giving away headsets. Well, the analysts who cover Plantronics were all industrial manufactured analysts. They're used to these stable margins, stable returns, and all of a sudden they see the gross margin going away, and they're, you know, they're, uh-oh, what's happening? The gross margin, it's going down. Why? Because of this Bluetooth headset giveaway. So that's very alarming. 
earnings estimates are coming in, these guys are all alarmed, they all downgrade, stock goes down. Well, then at the same time, you talk to Plantronics, and guess what? They have really almost stopped their consumer advertising for Bluetooth headsets. These same analysts are going, oh my God, the product must not be any good if they're cutting back on their advertising. Well, if you call the CFO and talk to them, what you'll find is, and what makes a lot of sense, is they found that the market was not ready for broad-based mass advertising, so they're taking those same dollars that were going into advertising and instead applying them to price reductions on the specific product that people are coming into a store asking for and they're driving trial of their headset in a market that's up for grabs. Uh, these are cheap headsets. You have them. I have them. You know, they break. So as you sort of get used to a headset world where you're going to need to talk to your internet machine, your phone, your VOIP, your music, uh, you're going to have a headset on your hand, on your head. Uh, you've heard me before talk about the... Uh, the monocle analogy, where in the uh, 1300s you had a lot of people wearing monocles and holding them up to their eye, just like you have people holding phones up now. But as the world went more to eyeglasses and people freed up their other hand, I think you're going to see the same thing in headsets, mainly in industrial settings where there's lots of inventory being put on shelves by guys holding handsets, etc. So this whole market I'm going on, on I think, is about to take off. They're putting a lot of money into this uh, consumer headset market to win your trust and win your trial. Well, there's a fashion element here, too. There's a fashion there? element, absolutely. Are they any good at that? Well, if you talk to the people in the channel, uh, the Plantronics headset is the high-end headset. and uh, you know, But the market is not a mass market. If you listeners are thinking about your headset usage, you can imagine yourself migrating to a time where you want one headset. You, you want it to work for your cell phone. When you walk into your office or your home, you want it to work on your, your home number. You want it to work on your uh, MP3 player. You want it to connect to the Internet for downloads, etc. I mean, so there's no point in having eight headsets. So there's a battle for the headset. Plantronics is in the battle. They're putting money into trial. And even at this point, the stock is selling. It's not like they're not making money. These guys are selling right now at eight times cash flow. Uh, the industrial analysts are all worried and, you know, don't understand it. I think this is a slam dunk Plantronics PLT, uh, page 1040 in your value line. And finally, here's an old, old name I owned 20 years ago. Uh, I called, looked at this too. It looks pretty cheap. Yeah, United Stationers. Uh, now, there's two things you're going to think from the name. It's page 1138, ticker USTR. First, you're going to think they're United, which they are. But then you're also going to think they're stationers, and they're actually really not. Stationary is only 29% uh, of their uh, business now. Um, technologies. I'll, I'll bet it's going down. Too. Well, it is going down. Their primary product that they're distributing is to, is technology computers oh. phone systems uh oh, so all the gadgets that you use this is a well, office products distributor yeah exactly they okay. also do furniture they oh. do stationery and their growth business right now is a little different uh channel than they've been in but it's a janitorial services hmm. so they're getting a bigger piece of the wallet of the businesses they already call on and uh, they're the largest in the country. They're the largest wholesaler of office supplies and equipment, including computers, furniture, 
and also they are growing in janitorial and food service, new areas for them. They have 15,000 customers, which is great, which means that if someone fires you, you know, guys like us that own the stock don't notice. And I'm attracted to the valuation here. It's 14.7 uh, multiple, 82% uh, of the S&P 500 multiple. That's an 18% discount. It's 11 times cash flow. It's 16 times free cash flow in a period of investment in this janitorial business. So I think that uh, you can expect CapEx per share to be coming down over the next few years. They have been buyers of their stock in the past. Uh, the peak share count was 33.5. They're now at 31 uh, so that can move around. But the big story here is that this company got to its current size through a lot of acquisitions 15, 20 years ago, um, and their debt level, even looking on the value line, if you go back 10 years, was $500 million, and they've just really paid that down, uh, finished doing so in '03. but they're sitting here now at $21 million, uh in long-term debt, or 7% of capital total debt, $60 million. So that's fabulous. And, uh, you know, the next couple comparisons are going to be, uh, you know, decent according to Value Line on a quarterly basis. Uh, what the company is doing is they're taking a uh, low-cost distribution strategy, which has uh, central inventory in one location. But these guys are pretty expert at direct marketing, so they don't have a giant sales force knocking door-to-door -door around the country selling, uh, you know, things out of a bag. They have catalogs. Uh, mailing lists, and they know how to you know optimize customer acquisition costs. You can see it in their uh, operating margins, which have stayed very stable in businesses that are very competitive on price. They're managing to eke out uh, you know a little bit of improvement in margin every year. Their return on capital has uh, you know stayed in the low teens. Uh, we've talked about this concept before. They could lever that up and have a 20% return on equity, but I think they're kind of keeping their return on capital right at the point where, uh, you know, competitors aren't that interested in competing because that's not such a great uh, return on capital if you've got to come in with debt. So this keeps sort of the LBO kind of folks out of the marketplace and uh, gives them the opportunity down the road to lever up and be in a position to acquire other weaker players. So this smells pretty good to me, United Stationers, USTR. And, uh, Vern, I guess uh, that's about all I have this week. We didn't do a beverage break this week. I think we did pretty good, though, on finding some value. In yeah, there's some pretty good value yeah. in here. So uh, how long did I go here? Uh, a long, no, long, uh, Just long 15 time. minutes, 15 oh, minutes. Okay. So uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. Are you trying to tell me that I want a half an hour? You almost did, yeah. Well, I think we had an extended introduction, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Well, thanks to those of you who uh, who were with us all the entire this whole show. show was, so uh, so yeah, uh, hi hi mom. Uh, anyway, um, it's been the Value Guys. Did I already say that? October 13th edition. Check out our website, www.thevalueguys.com, where you can perhaps learn our secret identities. There are some clues on the site. Anyway, that's it, everybody. See you next week. Have a good week.